Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Each year, September 21st, is the UN's International Day of Peace, which is a rich and wonderful thing to celebrate, especially given all the times that we recognize the wars and the sacrifice that they entail. So I was grateful to find out that locally, here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I live, a celebration of the International Day of Peace was planned on the 24th of September it being a widespread practice to celebrate the event all throughout the week. Our local celebration was organized by Jan Fraze of the Community Coalition for Nonviolence, a local group that coalesced just two years ago and which has focused attention on various issues and avenues of nonviolence. Wherever you're listening to this from, you may have your own local celebration, but if not, I'm hoping that this might serve as an inspiration and resource idea for you. We're going to hear some parts of the celebration of the Day of Peace, which includes songs, poetry, and talks. But first, I want to introduce you to the founding force behind the Community Coalition for Nonviolence, Jan Fraze. Jan is joining us via Zoom from right here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Jan, thank you so very, very much for joining me today for Spirit in Action. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Very glad to be here. I want to thank you personally, I guess I haven't done this yet, for organizing, for bringing forth the celebration of the International Day of Peace that you put together as part of the Community Coalition for Nonviolence. Have you done this in previous years? Because I haven't seen it, and I, or maybe it's just that because this one was broadcast via Zoom from the Pablo Center, that maybe that's what got me there. I don't get out of my house near as much as I should, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, I understand. Uh, yes, we had a, a celebration of peace last year in 2019 at the Eau Claire Children's Theater. And it was a longer program. It, was, it actually ran a little more than two hours. We had three speakers speaking about peace, and we had some music, and we had a lot more participation from younger children in the community through a program uh, that Lynn Buskey began called Hands of Peace. She ran it as an after-school program. She had the children drawing pictures about peace and writing poetry about peace and singing songs, some of them original even about peace. At the end of their program, they had a nice show at North High School in the spring, and they made a big banner, and they let us use that banner at our 2019 program, and three of the children read their poetry, their original poetry. And then we also had a 14-year-old girl who wrote an original poem of peace and violence, really, and, and it was from the perspective of herself as a student and how the school shootings affects her and her friends and colleagues. It was wonderful. This year, 2020, was much harder to do that because of the isolation and the inability to contact the younger students with their school schedule right now. The Just the complication of getting organized with the school, so we just couldn't do that with the younger children. The 2020 celebration, we had the help of a lot of people from the university. In 2019, two young women, Grace Luloff and Macy McKinley, were our MCs, and they're both student sen- Senate members from UW-Eau Claire. 
And then this year, Frank Reinick was our MC, and he's a UW senior majoring in education and minoring in theater. And they're just terrifically accomplished and, and did a wonderful job emceeing both years. And I also had a lot of help from a young man, student at UW-Eau Claire. His name is Austin Goldbrunson. But he, they're just so open to it. And was the Pablo Center also very open to hosting this? I really was, frankly, a little depressed and thinking, what in the world can we do? Things are just so divisive in our country, and people are so angry, and the possibility of violence just seems like it's increasing with every day, and the misunderstanding between people. So I had just thought, I don't know what I can do, because we can't have a live program. So I I felt kind of cheeky calling. I called Pablo. (laughs) I I actually emailed I emailed, I said, hey, here's our idea. I sent them my mission statement, and I said, are you interested? And so they said, yes, we are. This sounds interesting. And we did have some sponsor money from Ramon's Ice Cream Parlor last year that actually covered the entire cost of the rental of Pablo for this event. And so then we just had to cover the cost of the crew and some others, some, a few other costs. And we had some private donors helping, too. Let's talk a little bit about the Community Coalition for Nonviolence. I don't know if you're the president, the facilitator, the servant, the secretary of. What's your (laughs) official title that you give yourself? I call myself the organizer (laughs) and facilitator, I guess. We're a very loose group, and we work with a church group, and this has kind of helped my personal involvement. The First Presbyterian Church on Rudolph Road had a, um, a non-violence a gun safety type of group from their congregation. And I got involved with that. And there are a couple of people from that church who have been very faithful members of the coalition too. And so we recognize different things like wear orange for gun safety. We try to promote legislation that we think will decrease the number of deaths from suicide and from gun violence and we speak at public hearings and so forth like that. We try to recognize things that occur at certain times during the year, working for peace and nonviolence. So I was at the inaugural event for the Community Coalition for Nonviolence that was held at Phoenix Park here in Eau Claire a couple of years ago. What led you to get the group started? Two years ago, I walked into a sporting goods store here in town, And as I walked down the main aisle, I was confronted with this major display of toy guns. Most of them were quite colorful, all of them plastic, but they're all manufactured and designed to look like real guns, machine guns, assault weapons, uh, Glock pistols. If they're black, Wisconsin actually has a law. After I started to investigate what the heck was this all about, that you were selling guns that look like machine guns with a cartridge, with silencers attached, cartridges with, you know, like looking like it's got 100 bullets to attach to it. And I thought, this, this is not smart for we people as adults. Wisconsin actually has a law about toy guns. It has to be marked with some kind of orange to identify it as a toy. But there was an incident in Milwaukee where a young boy, I think he was about 11 or 12, was in the park. And he had a black gun that looked like a Glock pistol. And he was waving it around and threatening to shoot. 
And somebody called the police, of course. The policeman came, and he draws his gun, about ready to shoot at the kid, because he yelled at the kid, drop your gun, and the kid is just kind of frozen in shock. He did not drop the gun right away, and so the policeman was almost ready, really, to respond with by shooting him. And he realized how young the kid was. He could not see the little tiny orange ring. It's not a bright orange. It's kind of a faded orange color, just a ring right at the end of the gun. He didn't even see that. He saw the, the age of the boy and realized and told the kid, I'm about to shoot you. Have you got a real gun? And, and of course he didn't. And the kid dropped the gun. But the officer was so emotionally upset by how close he got to shooting that boy. Well, when I investigated the law and I talked to Mike Rokas, who was the assistant police chief at the time and now is our police chief, and the city lawyer, and they investigated the state statute. And basically, it's written so that it's just really unenforceable to hold a seller of that kind of a toy gun responsible. It's just unenforceable. Because the children that use that kind of toy, they're too young to really, I mean, that's not who you want to go after anyway. That was part of it. And I just wrote this little piece about children will listen. Children will see. Children will learn from the messages we give them and the examples we practice. The simple act of aiming a toy gun and then shooting at the targeted person or animal is not what our children need to see from adults. Target shooting indoors and out is a skilled sport that can be safely taught and monitored. America could model a target shooting plan after Switzerland or other countries that require assault weapons to be kept safely locked at the target site. And no one has multiple cartridges or any kind of bullets in their private hands or in their private homes. They do not have ammunition in their homes. And if they have a gun, they have no ammunition. If it's a real assault-type weapon, a military weapon, it's kept at the target shooting area. So why aren't we licensing guns as we do automobiles? If we are to have a country where law enforcement can knock down your door at any hour of the day or night and or people feel the need to protect their homes, shouldn't we have a register of all guns and the cooperation of gun sellers and gun owners to create that list. Which you and I can say that makes perfectly good sense. And I've talked about this with enough people and the reaction that says, well, the Second Amendment, you're trying to abridge our Second Amendment rights. And as soon as the government has a list of us, we can't protect ourselves from a despotic government and so on. I've heard all of the arguments. I have too. There's a couple more additional arguments I'd like to add in there then. Sure, go for it. There's three additional major problems to consider. Number one, the healthcare costs of mental and physical injuries resulting from violence. Number two, the legal costs to prosecute and defend violent acts. Number three, the environmental costs to our earth home resulting from the plastics used to make the toy guns. Prevention is always cheaper than cleaning up the mess of violence in our poor legislative policies. Think about it as a taxpayer. 
It does seem pretty obvious that the Second Amendment did not protect toy guns, that any argument about them probably has to do more with the person's worldview of what they want to encourage in the world than actual any kind of constitutional limitation to regulate this. I remember as a child, uh, and it's been quite a while for me, but uh, Now I've got a fly that wants to bother me. Probably (laughs) cowboys and Indians. (laughs) I remember as a a child where there was candy cigarettes and, of course, uh, cap guns. It was obviously encouraging me to emulate or to admire such things. And so toy guns have a lot to do with that, right? I think it does, but I, I think it's just so different from the era of the 40s and the 50s and even the 60s growing up. Because of the addition of the violence in all of our media, the games, videos, and the movies, and so forth, that increase in violence has happened in all of our media. And our kids are exposed to that. It's not just adults. Now, I know that in the presentation that happened at the Pablo Center, which we're going to be listening to very shortly, that it started off with Frank reading the mission statement for the Community Coalition for Nonviolence, And that won't be included in our broadcast here today. Would you care to share that? Yes, I would. First off, the Community Coalition for Nonviolence believes that violence is a cultural problem, not political problem. The coalition mission is to communicate how violence impacts our community and to promote peaceful practices and behaviors. It seems like it shouldn't be a hard sell, but you, Jan Fraze, evidently have found it a harder sell than you might have imagined. So you've been doing this for about two years now. What has been the reaction from the public? Have you got a lot of naysayers? Has this been controversial to talk about trying to limit the damage from guns in our neighborhood? I think one of the major problems is that we're not listening and or understanding another person or a person with a different position. That just leads to misunderstandings and stereotyping. It also leads to a division, going into our little groups, taking sides, and that eventually leads to violence, to arguments and violence. I'll give you a couple stories. The first one is one of our projects that we were working at was the Veterans Park that was originally going to be down on Forest Street in Eau Claire. It was a very well-organized project by the veterans and one of their county board representatives, a couple of county board representatives that were helping them. We came together as quite a large group at that time because there were going to be, it was a two, over $2 million park, still is, and they were going to be getting $450,000 from the county in funding for that park. And the city was giving them the land for the park in exchange for they were going to pave a trail and do some improvement to the area as part of the project. The plan included, clearly, because they had videos on television and citizen open houses and meetings to show what they were going to do, the plan included a recognition of at least 11 wars with a bronze statue of a soldier with a weapon that would represent that particular war, period. And so we came together wanting to have some kind of recognition of peace, some kind of educational presentation of peace along with that recognition of all the wars, 
because there was talk of having school buses of children coming to be educated about the history of our wars and the history of our veterans and how much sacrifice they have made. Well, when it got down to the final planning, the Parks and Rec planning meeting, they confronted our group. And they being? The veteran park planners who were presenting the park. They felt that our interference in wanting this piece They misinterpreted it. They didn't listen enough. They didn't hear what we wanted, I think, partly. They just said that we don't like veterans. We don't want to support veterans. We don't want a park to honor veterans because that's not who we are. And that really is an unfair stereotype of someone who just wants to balance recognition of wars with recognition of peace. That's just such a good example, I think, of how even though we have different opinions and we don't agree on something, we really have to listen carefully and not just go off and say, well, you don't want us, so we're out of here. And they built their park in Altoona. It's still under construction, and they're still going to have their county money because Altoona is very much a part of the county. But it just was difficult for us to, you know, just be rejected in that way because we felt that we were not heard, that our side was just not considered MC, I do want to spend a significant amount of time listening to the wonderful celebration of peace events, all, all the people that presented there. And there's a big, long list of them. Are these all personal friends of yours? I mean, Kathy Reed Walker probably falls into that category. She's my pastor, and she is a friend. I consider her a friend. And Sarah Gannon, who was the Christian education director at First Presbyterian Church, actually is the organizer of their nonviolence group there, a totally different membership from our coalition. But they've been active participants in ours. So we've tried to work with other groups that are doing the same thing. I met a lot of new people by just starting this up and cooperated with many young young groups that are, have been forming in town and have been facing some inequalities and some you know lack of justice in certain areas that they're working on. So so I've met a tremendous amount of people just by organizing this. And it, the group is kind of fluctuates with what we're dealing with, what issue that we're dealing with at the time. So did you happen to know Randall Adams before, Michael Perry, Salika Duxworth-Lawton? Are those all people that you knew? I'm, I've interviewed all of them. As a matter of, I haven't interviewed Mike Perry yet. I didn't know them at all. It started with in 2019 when we started to plan this program of entertainment. I got in touch with Frank Watkins, professor at the UW in the music department. He's director of the chamber orchestra. But he suggested Randall Adams. I only came to know Salika through her Uniting Bridges campaign. And I have participated, Lou and I both have participated in her book discussions. And it started with uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. For the organizational name, Jan, you selected the Community Coalition for Nonviolence. Nonviolence is a big topic. It's a very wide-ranging one, and of course it has its role in racism. But many of us, when we hear nonviolence, we think of Gandhi or we think of MLK. Because I'm Quaker, I have a few hundred years of history of nonviolent action that, that I'm very familiar with. Where does nonviolence come for you? Because that speaks of a lot more than just school shootings, if you will. Well, the only way I can think to respond to that is to link it into what's happening currently with people demonstrating in the streets for Black Lives Matter and for other political issues, mostly. 
violence is just never the right answer. It is not the right answer. Violence doesn't even work to get what you want. It creates misunderstanding about your message. Violence distracts from and distorts your message. I'm very supportive of our right to demonstrate for what we want and what we believe in. But it has to be nonviolent, not hurting property and not hurting anyone else or yourself. Well, what we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to listen to some of the presenters that were part of the Celebration of Peace for International Day of Peace, which is normally the 21st of September each year. You should write it down on your calendar right now, 21st of September. And it's frequently celebrated for the entire week around that date. This year in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, hosted by the Pablo Center, there was a Celebration of Peace for the International Day of Peace put together by the Community Coalition for Nonviolence. And I'd just like to read off the whole list of people who presented. We had as our host for the evening, Frank Reinick, the other performers, sharers, the poets, the writers, singers, musicians included. Humbird, Kavan Cortez-Jones, Randall Adams, Michael Perry, Salika Duxworth-Lawton, Max Garland, and Pastor Kathy Reed Walker. All of these people presented for the evening. We'll give you as many of them as we can in our broadcast hour and look for the rest as a bonus excerpt on northernspiritradio.org. Jan, I am so grateful that you stepped forward. Some people think of the later years in life as when you throttle back and you coast. I don't sense a lot of coasting in the life of Jan Fraze, and I so appreciate that you keep moving the world forward to a better, safer, more healthy direction. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you, Mark, for letting me have my say. <laughs> Thank you. We have a link to the Facebook page for Jan Fraze and the Community Coalition for Nonviolence on northernspiritradio.org, and we have links to all of our Spirit in Action and Song of the Soul guests of the past 15 years there as well. So you can find links to all of the performers for Eau Claire's celebration of the International Day of Peace on that site. And you'll find a place where you can rate programs and leave comments and much, much more, including this little donate button where you can help make our work continue and connect us up with possible guests and all that good stuff. But you know what I really hope you'll do is to support your local community radio station, like the 40-some stations that carry our programs nationwide. They run mostly on volunteer energy and a shoestring, and your donation might be exactly what they need to tie up their laces. Their work is invaluable and, so importantly, it's local, right there in your community where you live. So help them out if you can before you help us at Northern Spirit Radio. But right now, let's head back to the celebration of the 2020s United Nations International Day of Peace with a bunch of artists and activists. They won't all fit in this broadcast, so come to the northernspiritradio.org website to listen to the bonus excerpts for some really great stuff from writer-musician Michael Perry, poet Max Garland, and an additional song by Randall Adams. We'll tune in now to the celebration organized by the Community Coalition for Nonviolence, 
hosted via the Pablo Performing Center, and the evening's Master of Ceremonies is Frank Reinick, a senior at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Take it away, Frank. To begin tonight, we would like to welcome Pastor Kathy Reed Walker. Pastor Reed Walker is a member of the Community of Coalition for Nonviolence, the pastor at First Presbyterian Church, a licensed professional counselor, and an active member of Jonah. She has been involved in peace education and human and environmental justice advocacy most of her adult life. Pastor Reed Walker wrote her first poem about social justice when she was in sixth grade. I'm here tonight because I believe that love is stronger than hate. Peace is stronger than fear. And nonviolence is more powerful than violence. I have a poem to read to you, and then I will share a couple of quotes from two influential peacemakers. And I hope that my poetry has improved since age 11. Whatever the case, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my humble efforts on this occasion. This poem is titled, When. When our common home is burning, and my nature is crying titanical tear storms, exhaling her angered derecho breath, water wars brewing, monsters fueling fleets of destruction, the nuclear clock inching seconds from its deadly toll. When sticks and stones are breaking bones, while knees and necks and burdens on backs bruise and kill body and soul. When skin fluence subjugates without shame and cesspools of incivility capsize communications. When virtues are buried beneath feckless facades of fealty and dissing abounds. Disenfranchisement, discouragement, discrimination, discontent, disaster, dismay, distress. When face covers divide and cover-ups run rampant and solastalgia settles in our souls. When the sojourner in our midst is reviled. When home is a street and bread is a feast, and violence is unleashed, and kindness is deceased. Then chaos and hate reign, and fear is the viral super-spreader. The world weeps, the cosmos cries for justice, and we, the people, yearn for peace. So here a higher calling when weaponry is turned to garden tools and stew pots, when dictators, kings, and wannabes are exposed from their hideouts of egos and lies, when the power-hungry feast on empathy and feed those who hunger, when the passion for power is replaced with compassion competence, when lion and lamb sleep side by side, with donkey and elephant together, with Russian and Chinese, with Israeli and Palestinian, with Mexican and United Statesian together, when words that heal create continental drifting into diplomatic Pangea, more bridges than walls, more balm 
than bombs. When the land of the free is the home of embrace, and all lands are free, and all homes are safe, when we are stamping out fires of injustice and debreeding the wounds of isms, race, gender, sex, age, class, ableism, when we are restoring our mutual narrative into a yet unwritten script, stepping into roles of truth-telling, repairing breaches, dethroning evil, vitiating vengeful violence, when justice flies freely over forest greenery and ocean bluery, over repolarized ice caps and depolarized people, when nonviolence is lauded as a higher form of heroism, then peace will be what is. The world will thrive on love in lavish doses. Souls filled with love will leave no room for despair or hate or hopelessness. When we, the people, live the way of love, then peace will be. Now listen to the advice of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And in the book Across That Bridge, A Vision for Change and the Future of America, civil rights leader and congressman John Lewis wrote, you are a light. Never let anyone, any person or any force, dampen, dim, or diminish your light. Release the need to hate, to harbor division and the enticement of revenge. Release all bitterness. Hold only love, only peace in your heart, knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil is already won. And on the day of his funeral, this statement from Mr. Lewis was published in the New York Times. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can to demonstrate that the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence, is the more excellent way. Now it is your turn to let freedom ring. Now it is our turn. So tonight, for a moment, and if for a moment, why not longer? Let us experience and engage in peace. Peace be with you. We are now proud to present a video featuring the very talented Siri, also known as Humbird. Siri is from Minnesota and grew up in the Twin Cities where she now lives. She's been playing music for a very long time and was determined to become a musician and a writer since a very young age. She says, I also had big plans when I grew up to be a pilot by day, the first female NHL hockey player by night, and to finish off strong as the Vice President of the United States. Those other careers sort of fell to the wayside over time. Siri has studied old folk songs and tales abroad, and now she is writing our own. This is On the Day We Are Together.
Thank you, Siri. Our next speaker is a prominent member of our community and a leader at the university here in Eau Claire. Dr. Salika Duxworth Lawton, a UWEC history professor, was included on Madison 365's 2019 list of the most influential black leaders in the state of Wisconsin. 
Dr. Duxworth is a former military analyst who has been bringing her expertise to UW-Eau Claire for more than 25 years. She is currently serving as Vice President of Uniting Bridges, an organization working with the community to promote racial peace and create unity among all people. Tonight, we are happy to introduce her as our second featured speaker. Thank you. We need to learn to talk across fear and race. We need to find the common goals of humanity and we need to challenge the stereotypes of marginalized people, majority people, and especially black men and police officers. And we have to find a way to trust. I know officers who agonized over George Floyd's murder and who re support reforms. I know people who will not tolerate any criticism of the police. I know people on both sides who need to stop stereotyping and to start listening. We all need to be less sure of what we already know is the best answer for every situation. Can we see each other? Can we bridge this divide? Can we ratchet down the rhetoric? It's up to us. I see you. Do you see me? The Ballad of Birmingham by Dudley Randall. Mother dear, may I go downtown instead of out to play and march the streets of Birmingham in a freedom march today. Mother, I won't be here alone. Other children will go with me and march the streets of Birmingham to make our country free. No, baby, no, you may not go, for I fear the guns will fire. Better sing in the children's choir. The mother smiled to know her child was in a sacred place. But that smile was the last smile to come upon her face. For when she heard the explosion, her eyes grew wet and wild. She raced through the streets of Birmingham, calling for her child. She clawed through bits of glass and brick, then lifted out a shoe. Oh, here's the shoe my baby wore. But baby, where are you? Thank you, Dr. Duxworth. Our next artist comes to us from Milwaukee via a beautiful work of poetry. Kavan Cortez Jones is an artist and teacher at First Stage in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Kavan's poem, Love Letter to Milwaukee, creates a mosaic of the beauty tragedy, and diversity that is found in our big cities. Please enjoy 
Love letter to Milwaukee. I love you, Milwaukee. I love your coffee shops and art galleries, Fuel Cafe, where I experienced my coming of age among hipsters and punks. People watched, inhaled the rich redolence of coffee. Var Gallery, where I sip Stella's hard cider, composed naked poses in a Fabrano sketchbook. Christina behind the bar, dishing out bottles. I love your never corridors, Brady Street, nestled in Rochambeau. College kids with open textbooks and laptops, Arabic men at the tea tables watching soccer matches from an overhead flat screen, long hair bohemians in tie-dye. I enjoy to sit upstairs by your window, listening to the philosophical conversations and laughter at the bar below. I love your springtime cardinals, Canadian geese, parts, ridges, a city one can experience winter, spring, summer, and fall in one week. Fluorescent leaves fall as an Indian summer beat sweats. Next day, your scoverless winds remind us, yeah, we are still in Wisconsin. We sniffle, sneeze in October's frigid air. It gives us an excuse to break out more fashionable apparel. Next scarves, winter caps, blazers. You are so unpredictable, Milwaukee. What a beautiful city. A visitor would say headed downtown over the home bridge. I can't wait to enjoy and embrace all you have to offer. A city built over a swamp, City Hall is sinking to its primitive layers. Our own leaning tower of Pisa, Mayor Baird called it. If one steps outside Discovery World at night, the downtown is lit by the U.S. Bank Index and all of its fingers studded with orbs of marmalade lights. The Northwest Mutual Building is a new city spectacle. Countless orange barricades as the streetcar makes a combat. The sleeping collar traveler rests its wings. You are a pleasant land, Milwaukee, all gonkwin tong, Milwaukee, a city with the bloodshed past, scars but cuts in your back. Fox, Sox, Menominee, Potawatomi, Ojibwe tribes once flourished the land before European contact. Latinos made the South Side home after the Polish took a white flight. Blacks came for a new life out of the South's racial stigma. My mother came from Whiteville, Tennessee, a runaway teenager. I ran away from her mental abuse with a backpack full of comp books and dreams. I didn't want her to redline my aspirations. Germans came, fell in love with Lake Michigan, built Pap Slits, Blacks, Miller Breweries. They call you the city that made beer famous. <laughs> no wonder why we are so drunk. You are drunk, it's much segregated. North side, black, south side, brown. Community members facilitate bike rides, open mics, meetings to bridge the gap. Red, bike, and green, Stitch Milwaukee, Zip MKE. I still see you through rose-colored lenses. Ignorance of the deadly overnight shootings the news speaks of on streets I was raised. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, Bronzeville, Survivalization, pinches the shoulder of my infant past. Peach Fruit Market is open, Value Village is gone. Hey, but did you hear? They are rebuilding the Black Holocaust Museum. My mother worked there in the late 90s, the only maintenance worker. Founder James Cameron lived on the same block as us, 5th and North Ave. My mother cried at the television screen when he died in 2006. Dr. King K-8, an African-American immersion school on 3rd and Ring. Best and worst days of my teenage life, full of aspirational angst. Age 13. Then, I met Kwabana and Muhib, who inspired me to write poetry. Best thing to ever happen to me. I said it blood in a composition notebook. I have not stopped writing since. I will always love you, MKE. 
Even after drug dealers set ablaze the house next door on 24th and Broadline, I never seen flames fang upward so close. Even after you shot up our home, eight bullets through the front window, we caught pieces of white asphalt from the ceiling. Even after you gave me chicken pox, a sophomore, a week before exams, my mom and I went to Carter Drugs. Mr. Carter gave us calamine. I escaped 53206 that summer on junkyard bikes my stepdad brought over. I didn't want to be among the gunshots and derelict houses. I didn't want to stay stuck behind the systematic red line. I biked to the east side and the third ward. I didn't know so many white people lived here. I kept biking and biking even after high school. I wrote down my history in coffee houses and parks. Fuel Cafe, Humble Collectivo, Lonesome and Riverside Park. Why did you make me feel lonely, Milwaukee? You are a paramour's paradise. Who wouldn't want to hold hands, kiss barefoot on the Bradford Beach sand? Who wouldn't want to spend summer with any? Every day is a party. Fish fry in a flick, Washington Park band sales, underwear, bike ride, jazz in the park. Could this park skylight music chill on the hill? I adore you in summer. Though the lake sewage stint still catches my nose off guard, no matter how many times I bike across it. Downtown food trucks make up for it. If I was still a meat eater, I would snag a bratwurst with the ketchup, squeeze, and sauerkraut in seconds. You are a city full of smells. You are a coffee shop haven. Walker's Point, Anodyne, Valentine Coffee, Fuel Cafe, Rochambeau, Prospect Collectivo are a writer's heaven. A city in a tug of war with the past and present. New Bucks Arena, but a streetcar slithers through downtown. Most segregated U.S. city dare to climb over the Holton Street Brother Wall. Community members use bike rides, storytelling, photography to bridge the gap. Not only the most segregated, but the drunkest. Makes sense. We need a drink after fed the biased baloney racist serves us. Your unpredictable weather plays with my emotions. I don't care though. Because in June, you summertime farm baby. First city for black folks? Well, what city isn't? Don Train Hamilton and the Sherman Park Blaze are reasons we should be here in the social justice fight. I cannot wait to leave, come back after a European tour, feeling like a tourist. I will sit next to my aluminum pony upon the reservoir hilltop, gaze at the downtown view, and remember where I was and who I used to be. I love you, Milwaukee. Thank you, Kavan, for those beautiful words. We would like to conclude our artist spotlight for tonight's program with a performance from Randall Adams. Randall performs with acoustic guitar and vocals drawn from a wide range of musical genres and eras, along with original compositions. Randall says, During my years in professional life as a doctor of chiropractic care, Music had to be avocational. I kept my hat in the ring by playing solo and singing in community, church, and university choirs. I also involved myself in the Chippewa Valley Cultural Association and the Heidi Center for the Arts. For the past three years, Randall has been an artist signed on Promotion Music Records and is sharing his music with more people and new fans every day. Tonight, Randall is singing his original song, Un clamor en la noche, as well as imagine.
There's a little introduction to this song, Un Clamor en la Noche. It's translated into a, a cry in the night. We can't forget that there have been a multitude of tragedies in our United States and in, and in the world these last few years. It's easy to forget the, in the onslaught of new ones, and this to me is one of the worst. I wrote the song in response to the family separations and incarcerations that are occurring at our southern border, and I wrote it in Spanish with English translations for each verse. The song begins with a verse from a song called Las Mañanitas, which is a children's birthday tradition in Mexico, sung in the very early morning of the hours to wake the birthday kid up. Uh, it's very sweet. It introduces this song, and it's sung from the perspective of a young child and his or her parents who are separated during her birthday. Estas son las mañanitas que cantaba el rey David Hoy por celia de tu santo te las cantamos a ti Despierta, mi bien despierta Mira que amaneció Ya los pajarillos cantan la luna ya se metió These are the morning songs that the great King David sang We are singing them just for you on this your saint's day Wake up my little one, wake up The night has fled, the birds have long been singing Donde estás, mamá? Donde estás, papá? Tengo frío aquí sin la mata ni colchón. En la noche clamo para ustedes. Claman ustedes para mí. Where are you, my mother? Father, it's cold here with no blanket or bed. I cry out for you in the night. Do you cry for me? Vivo ahora en una jaula de hierro como Demasiados cachorros en una jaula Sin cualquier cosa humana No tenemos ni un fútbol ni un cepillo de dientes Yo no tengo a ustedes, mis padres I live now in an iron cage Kept like a dog we are so many in a cage with no human touch. There isn't a soccer ball nor a toothbrush. Where are you, my parents, mama, papa? 
mañana será mi cumpleaños No estoy cierto que soy yo Tomorrow may be my birthday I'm not sure what did I do Despierta mi bien despierta Mira que amaneció, ya los pajarillos cantan, la luna ya se metió. Wake up, my little one, wake up, the night has fled, the birds have long been singing, the moon has put herself Thank you, Randall, for your beautiful music. And thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We'd like to conclude our program with a short poem of peace by John Lennon. Peace is not something you wish for. It's something you make. Something you do. Something you are. And something you give away. Thank you all again for your continued support of the arts. Stay safe, stay strong, and good night. That good night came via UW-Eau Claire senior Frank Reinick, Master of Ceremonies for the 2020 celebration of the International Day of Peace, put together by the Community Coalition for Nonviolence, hosted via the Pablo Performing Center. Links to all of the performers are on the northernspiritradio.org website, and there's also a link there to the Facebook page for the Community Coalition for Nonviolence and its founder, Jan Fraze. And there are a few bonus excerpts from portions of the event that didn't fit in this broadcast. So look to our site for bonus excerpts for poetry from Max Garland and Michael Perry and an additional song by Randall Adams. There be gold in them there web links. So enrich and enjoy yourself, and we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh